Welcome back to the Mind the Gap podcast. We have a great episode for all you people today. We're going to start out, as usual, with Best of the Internet, and then we're going to roll directly into our Week 15 NFL preview and gambling picks. Great episode for you guys today. Let's go. And welcome back, everyone. Today is Saturday, December 18th. It's a great day. The weather's fantastic. Sammy is back in New York City. That is actually a lie, ladies and gentlemen. That is not true. I'm... I'm So this podcast is going to be edited tonight and then put up on Saturday morning. So by the time that our listeners are hearing this, the sound of my voice, you will be back in New York City. So I don't think it's actually a lie. That is true, and let's just mention that our next Mind the Gap episode, episode 7, will take place together in New York, so that's exciting. So this is our last episode for a week or two, where we are in different zip codes, so that is quite exciting for all our listeners. It is indeed. So we're going to start off with Best of the Internet. Sammy, would you like to share your first story? I am very excited about Best of the Internet today, because I came up with some fantastic Fantastic segments, all of them different, and all of them are quite fascinating, I believe. I have three. Uh, maybe I'll do two, but I have three good ones. Actually, I'm going to do three. I'm going to start off with the best one. Uh, so this is a Daily Mail article. We know Daily Mail. We love it. We think it's the most reliable source for everything. Uh, all right, so this one is almost hard to believe. I did not believe this when I first read it, but apparently it's true. So this takes place in India, in a small town in India. And I'm going to start off by saying that the first event that led up to this whole disaster was a pack of dogs attacked a baby monkey and killed an infant monkey. Uh, in this town in India, there's a lot of, they're not wild dogs, but they are, they live on the streets. They're, they're domesticated dogs, but they roam around the streets. And there, there was a lot of them, apparently. Uh, there was a lot of them is the key here. And these dogs, they attacked an infant monkey and they killed it. And you'd think that the humans would get mad at the dogs. But no, it was actually quite the opposite. The monkeys got very upset at the dogs for killing one of their babies, which is justified. You'd think the monkeys would get upset. But what I didn't realize is how smart and vengeful monkeys are. Because in the past one month, these monkeys have killed 250 dogs. Now, they haven't just killed 250 dogs. They have killed 250 dogs by picking them up, dragging them to the top of a building or tree, and throwing them off the building or throwing them off the tree to their death. Now, this is one of the most ridiculous stories I've ever read in my life, and I'm going to take you through the article here and just read a few important points. So as I said, 250 dogs have been killed. Uh, The residents are now just panicking because obviously they like the dogs, and also the monkeys have now killed every single dog that they can kill. There's no more puppies left. All the dogs that are left are big dogs that they can't pick up. And now the monkeys are turning towards young children. They've been dragging young children. Luckily, they haven't been able to kill any of the young children, but they've dragged multiple young children away. Uh, there's not a single pup left in this town, and there was hundreds months ago. 
there's pictures of dogs chasing monkeys and monkeys dragging dogs away. Now, I don't, obviously I'm a little sad for the dogs, but I almost can't be sad because I'm just so like bewildered by this story. Uh, let me just scroll down this article and see if there's any more fascinating points I can add to this. One second. One second. This yes. is a pretty wild story of just yes. absolute and utter dog genocide. Um, I don't know. It, it's definitely a bummer for the dogs and for everyone in this village. Now, I almost can't believe I almost can't believe in true. People in the comment section are saying this can't possibly be true, but there are videos of dogs being taken away. 250 might be an exaggeration, but even if it's 100, it's still a ton. And I'm just trying to picture in my head. It's a little village. There's monkeys running everywhere. They're just picking up dogs, dragging them to the top of buildings and trees and just throwing them off. And apparently they dragged away an 8-year-old kid and the villagers have to throw stones at the monkeys to stop the 8-year-old from being thrown off the top of the building. So this is a it's a horrific story, but it's almost unbelievable. And people in the comment section are really going wild over this one. Uh, I'll read you some of the comments here. Uh, one of our comments is, please meet our nearest evolutionary relatives. So these are our nearest relatives. Uh, people are recommending putting a pile of poisoned bananas near the trees, which will kill all the monkeys. Smart. Someone says that these monkeys are more dangerous than climate change and COVID. And another person states that they need some bigger dogs. Maybe some Rottweilers and Pitbulls would take care of the situation. I agree with that. I don't know what type of dogs they have there, but clearly not very aggressive dogs. Because I'd think a big Rottweiler or Pitbull would be able to take a monkey down. But after listening to this article, I'm not sure. And I'm a little scared because I never thought monkeys were this smart and this revengeful. And I didn't really think that monkeys could put together dog killed our babies. So now all these dogs are the same breed. So we're going to kill all the dogs. I didn't think monkeys were that smart. I knew they were smart, but that seems like almost human-level intelligence. So this is a very fascinating story, and I feel bad for the dogs. I feel bad for the village people, but I'm just in amazement that the monkeys are capable of doing this. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I always knew monkeys were intelligent, but this feels kind of like the next level. Yes, and people are now calling for Joe Biden to send the U.S. military to India to take care of the situation. Makes sense. Yes. All right. That's it for that article. That's the first one I got. Thought that was a great one. Chris, let's hear your first one. Okay. So my first article is about how North Korea has banned laughing, drinking, celebrating birthdays, and buying food for 11 days. Now, why 11 days? I'll, I'll explain it to you, Sammy. North Korea has banned laughing for 11 days to mark 10 years of Kim Jong-un's rule and commemorate the anniversary of the death of his father. Any sign of happiness, alcohol, celebrating birthdays, and food shopping have all been banned to commemorate the 10-year anniversary of the death of Kim Jong-il, the current dictator's father. The restriction included banning laughter and began on December 17th, 10 years after Kim Jong-il's death. A North Korean from a border city told Radio Free Asia, during the morning period, we must not drink alcohol, laugh, or engage in leisure activities. Even if your family member dies during the morning period, you are not allowed to cry out loud and the body must be taken out after it's over. So that's pretty crazy. Obviously, right now uh, is holiday season in the U.S. at least. You know, we're gearing up for Christmas, New Year, all that stuff. But North Korea, they cannot laugh, Sammy, or buy food or do anything fun for 11 days. They can't laugh and they can't cry, so it seems like they have to be pretty straight-faced for 10 days. Uh, I don't really know what to say about this. It feels like one of those things that's a little hard to uh, 
to monitor. I feel like if someone starts laughing or crying, it's going to be tough to to catch them in their home. But I don't know. I don't really want to say anything offensive here, but North Korea, there's so many rules. It's almost hard to imagine that it's a, a real country. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we have any North Korean listeners. So if I, I don't know if we can really offend anyone. It's obviously a dictatorship. And there's a lot of, like, not funny stuff that happens there in terms of repressing the people and all that stuff. But I think this is something that's just kind of, you read it and you're very confused as to how this I is mean, it's not, to... it's not even funny. You just, like, feel bad for the people that have to live under these rules. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like if your family member dies, you're not allowed to cry because you're celebrating Kim Jong-un. It just seems like the priorities are a little off there. Absolutely. All right, Sammy, your next story. Wow, that was a fascinating one there. Jeez. All right, my next one. This one's a little more lighthearted than the uh, dog monkey massacre. Uh, so in 2016, well, let me just preface, pref- preface, 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 preface. Let me just preface this by saying that we know that in this world we consume a lot of meat, we consume a lot of pig, we consume a lot of cow. So there's a lot of slaughterhouses, unfortunately, where uh, pigs are killed. In 2016, there was a slaughter. I know I said this would be a little lighter. Obviously, it hasn't started that way, but I promise it's going to get a little happier soon. So in 2016, there was a uh, pig slaughterhouse in Cape Town. And a little piglet, a month, year old. He was a month only. He was rescued from... A month, from year old? A month old. I apologize. Okay. I'm, I apologize. He was I'm a month... I'm not editing out your mistakes. Thank you Just for that. Mine. He was a month old. Uh, and he was rescued from the slaughterhouse. And he was taken in by... A family, and they noticed that he was actually quite talented. He went through their garage and he started picking up paintbrushes and he would paint on the walls, right? Makes you think, how can a pig do that? But apparently he did. And now, five years later, they call him Pig Casso. He has painted more than 40 pieces of artwork. And his latest masterpiece, I know we can't show it to the viewers since it's an audio thing only, but it's a very nice canvas with blue colors, white colors, and nice painting stripes. It's sold for 20,000 euros. 20,000 euros. Somebody, apparently there was a high bidding war too. Everybody wanted this artwork from this pig and it sold for 20,000 euros. And they have videos and pictures of him painting this masterpiece. And it's very impressive. He just stands there with the paintbrush in his mouth and just goes up and down with his mouth along the canvas. And we were talking about smart animals with the monkey before, but you can almost say this pig is even smarter for his breed, for his species, because I've never seen a pig be able to do this. He actually understands the canvas, he understands the colors, and he goes up and down with the artwork. I'm just going to show Chris this quickly so he gets a sense of it. Look how magnificent that is. That's awesome. It's a very talented pig. So he has made 400 pieces of artwork, and this is his most expensive one yet. Uh, 20,000 euros, and this has beat the previous record for animal artwork. Uh, A 10,000 euro painting by a monkey was the winner before. So he has doubled it. 20,000 euro painting was bought. Uh, Very happy for this pig. All proceeds from the the artwork go to a farm sanctuary for animals, so that's good news as well. So he's he's doing real good things. I'm really proud of him. So hopefully he keeps making artwork, and hopefully people keep buying it. And that's all I have to say about that. Just a little lighthearted, fun story there. That is very fun, Sammy. Okay, my next story is the obligatory college football, best of the internet. I don't know if you saw this, Sammy, but... Uh, Boo! I don't know why you're booing this. College on, football is back on best of the internet again. So on Saturday, or I don't know when this was actually, on the... Yeah, on... Oh, no, on Wednesday it was. I apologize. On Wednesday, 
it was National Signing Day in college football, so a lot of the uncommitted college prospects, like high school players going to play in college who had not committed yet, finally chose a school. And a lot of players also will commit to a school before their senior year, but you can't actually sign a letter of intent until your senior year happens. So players will sometimes commit somewhere verbally and then decommit and officially go somewhere else. So even if you commit somewhere, the recruiting isn't really done because other schools will still try and court them and try and make them come to their school instead. So Travis Hunter, who is the number one ranked recruit in the nation, he's a cornerback, he was committed to Florida State University. He's been committed there for years. And on Wednesday, one of the most shocking moves in the history of college recruiting, he decommitted from Florida State and instead committed to Jackson State University, which is an FCS HBCU school coached by Deion Sanders. So it's hard to really kind of explain how truly absurd this was, but he was the first ever uh, ESPN 300 recruit to choose an FCS school because I've said that there's the FBS, which is the top division, and the FCS, which is much lower, and those schools usually aren't as good. It's made JSU, Jackson State University, it's made them, their recruiting class, jump into the top 50 for the first time ever. And it's just an absolute, absolute railroading of FSU by Deion Sanders, who's able to, obviously, very famous cornerback himself, able to recruit not only the best cornerback, but the best recruit in the nation to an HBCU. And this is going to, I think, fundamentally change the landscape of college recruiting. And Deion Sanders has done a really good job of making his HBCU and HBCUs in general seem like a viable option for potential pro athletes when usually they just go to like Alabama, Georgia, Florida, those. Instead, you can go to a smaller school like an HBCU and still have opportunities to play in the NFL. Yeah, I saw this. I watched the video. It was pretty funny. And it's, I mean, it's obviously a really good thing. Everyone's saying that this is going to start a trend of more top athletes committing to HBCUs instead of the top schools like Alabama, LSU, Florida State. And honestly, I don't see why people wouldn't want to do it. I feel like being the man, being one of the best players in the team and still getting looks for the NFL, it seems like a positive on both ends. And I think it's more might be more fun to go to a school like that as well. Uh, I never really watched him play. I don't really know how good he is, but I assume he's very good. He's so he probably, filthy. So I assume he does want to go to the NFL, but if he plays really well at a school like Jackson State, he's going to get the same opportunities to get drafted as if he went to FSU. Maybe even better because you'll think he'll look even more dominant on the field playing against lesser opponents. I mean, this is all related to Deion Sanders, obviously, and I think he has a big chance to turn around the program and really start something new here, which is exciting. Yeah, they, I mean, it, they were I mean, very I, good. They were very good last year. They uh, they won their conference. They're they're in a very important bowl game. So yeah, he's he's done a very good job of making his team into a powerhouse again. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see like in five or ten years, teams like Jackson State or other lesser teams historically competing for the top. Uh, top like bowls and stuff. I don't know. Can FCS teams go to like the college playoffs? How does it work? I I don't know if t- I don't think they could. And also like they would get absolutely hammered by Bama. Like, but what if in players. like but no? But what if like in five and ten years like the top recruits start going like all to Jackson State? A lot of them then they won't get hammered. I mean by Bama. I don't know who who knows that's gonna happen. I I think that that is less likely than a hand. And you you already seen this in college basketball where occasionally the top recruits will go to somewhere totally random like Patrick Baldwin Jr. this year playing at like Milwaukee State, I think. Um, and 
you know, like Anthony Edwards played at Georgia, kind of the only really good player on that team, Ben Simmons at LSU, just stuff like that. But this is the first time in college football that I've really seen one of the top recruits go somewhere totally random. Not not random, but like random in terms of uh, where you traditionally see the best players attend. I mean, honestly, there's a chance that like five or ten years, a lot of people start doing this and schools like that can start competing with the top schools, which would be exciting. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Okay, Sammy, your final story. All right, my final story. We're back to California. Uh, I remember, I don't know if it was last episode or a couple episodes ago, I talked about the uh, break-ins in the marijuana dispensaries in California. Well, this one's a little similar. Uh, This one takes place mostly in San Francisco. Let me read you a stat here. Between January 1st and November 29th of this year, there were 19,270 car break-ins reported in San Francisco, which translates into nearly 20 break-ins per 1,000 cars. Think of how crazy that is. Per 1,000 cars on the street, there's 20 break-ins. So per 100 cars, two of them got broken into this year. That's a ridiculously high number, right? And when we yeah, say, it definitely seems pretty high. Yeah, and when we say break-ins, uh, it usually means people breaking the windows of the car and breaking in. Hence, break-in. Uh, but the funniest part about it's not even funny, but the most ridiculous part about the story is that car owners in San Francisco are actually now leaving their trunks wide open in the street so that people, when they break into their cars, they can just go through the trunk and they don't have to break their windows. So people have actually accepted defeat and they said, you know what? You can break into my car either way. This way, you won't actually break my window. So just go in through the trunk and just don't break my car. Just go in there and take what you want. It is so ridiculous that, pe- that Californians in San Francisco have come to this where people are intentionally leaving their trunks open just so their windows don't get broken because they know their cars are going to get broken into no matter what. This is also reported in Oakland a little bit in other cities in California, mostly in San Francisco, but they see it all over the place in California. And the crime in California right now, I don't know what's happening, but this was just a laughably comical story that people are actually leaving their trunks open because there's just so many break-ins. Any thoughts on that one, Chris? Yeah, it's pretty smart, actually. It's like, you can go through my trunk, you're not going to find anything here. You can look through windows, and I just like, just don't even bother, right? It's kind of makes more sense than uh, than just kind of... I mean, obviously, the thing that would make the most sense is to not have to worry about your car getting broken into. But in terms of this, it's honestly like a very smart plan. Yeah, shockingly, the uh, police department has not recommended leaving your trunks open because they say the uh, thieves can go into your car and look in your gov compartment and find your insurance and stuff with your address on it, and they can find where you live. So people, are, the police are recommending not doing this. Uh, but I don't know, also Chris. Would you, smart. would you rather have somebody go through your trunk and steal your stuff, or someone go through your window and steal your stuff? Either or. Yeah. Again, like ideally, it would be neither of those options. But that's not that's not an option in California anymore. Unfortunately, it's the Wild West over there. Very fair. Okay, Sammy. The final story of uh, best the internet can lead us right into our NFL discussion. Urban Meyer was uh, fired as the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach. This was not a shocking decision. I think everyone kind of saw this coming for a while now. But some of the stories that came out recently that forced the firing I thought were pretty funny. First, there was the staff meeting where Urban Meyer called all of his assistant coaches losers and said, you know, I'm a winner. I've won everywhere. This team is bad, not because of me. It's because of all you guys. You're all losers. 
and they made them defend their resume to him, which is kind of crazy to make these adult coaches defend their resumes. And then there was the thing last week where someone asked him about uh, rookie linebacker Andre Cisco, I think his name is. I know his last name is Cisco. Um, and Ermeyer said, oh, I think he's playing a lot more now. He's really improving. And actually, he hadn't played a single snap in that game. So Cleage doesn't even know what's going on in his own team. And then a couple days ago, former kicker Josh Lambeau said that during a practice, Ermeyer came over and kicked him and said, like, why do you keep missing all your kicks? And Josh Lambeau went on the record and said that, like, why is my coach kicking me? That's not appropriate. And so all these things combined, along with that thing earlier in the season, when Ermeyer didn't fly back on the team plane and instead hung out at a bar and, you know, kind of got all hot and heavy with a woman not his wife, so that wasn't ideal for him, and a variety of other kind of embarrassing things that have happened over the course of the year. And he is now out as the Jacksonville head coach. He signed a five-year contract, and he lasted about five months there. Uh, he was obviously a horrible NFL coach. The whole problem here, in my opinion, was he was used to the whole college situation where he's the boss. And in college, the players are under scholarship. They're not getting paid, so they have to listen to him. They don't really have a choice because they're at the school. They're under scholarship. They're not getting paid money. But in the NFL, it's totally different, right? The people are getting paid money. They're the ones making the money. They're grown adults, so the coach can't treat them the same way as he can treat college players. I mean, I'm not justifying kicking college players and stuff, but still, you can be a little more controlling and dictatorship, have a little more of like a dictatorship role over college players because it's a college program, and when it comes to the NFL, it's just not going to fly. And obviously, that's the problem he had. I mean, I've never seen a coach with so much hype go out so early. And after listening to this whole thing, I, I don't think he's going to have another opportunity in the NFL. I think he's over with. I mean, my only question is, does he go back to coaching college football? We'll see what happens there. But for now, I'm, I'm glad he's out. I think the Jaguars will be better without him. I think they might actually play better now because they're hyped and motivated because he's gone. So I think this is all around good news to the Jaguars, good news to the NFL, and we'll see if he gets another college job. But I'm not sure if he deserves it. Yeah, I think he'll get a college job somewhere. Definitely not NFL. But I think he deserves college again because he's a very good college coach. Fair enough. All right, I think, does that wrap up our uh, Best the Internet segment for today? It does. We're going to take a quick break and then come back with our NFL Week 15 preview. Sick. Welcome back, everyone. We are going... I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm going to stop now. I'm going to repeat myself. Welcome back, everyone. We are going to go through our gambling picks for week 15 and preview those games. If we leave any big ones out, we can hit those at the end. So we're both going to pick four games because last time I picked six, I think, and he picked three or whatever. So it's going to be four each this time so we have a really even kind of matchup. Obviously, Sammy won last week. I'm very confident that that, that is not a pattern that will be repeated. I'm very confident myself this week. So, Sammy, why don't you give us your first team? All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go through this. Let's keep in mind this is week two of our picks, official week two. So far, I am uh, three for four. Chris is three for six. So we're going to keep the numbers in our head as we keep going. And maybe this week we'll actually remember to place our bets in so there's some money on the line. So it actually matters a little more. All right, we got four games each. We looked at the lines. They were kind of gross. I'm not going to lie. The first one I'm going to take is... A controversial one. 
the line is Panthers plus 11 at Buffalo. I'm going to take Buffalo in this game because I just think the Panthers are so terrible. In Buffalo, Bills are obviously a very good team. The Panthers are horrible. And I think the Bills will win this one pretty easily by more than 11. Chris, do you disagree with this pick? I don't. If I had to bet on this game, I would pick the Bills. However, I mean, I, I, I do think that the Bills, they've lost two in a row now. Panthers are very bad. This is a get-right game for them. I think they're going to win, especially in Buffalo. I just 11 points is a lot of points, and the Bills could be up the entire game and then give up a late touchdown to cut it from like up 17 to up 10, and then you lose the bet, right? So I just personally, I don't love betting these high spreads, although I do have a, a high spread in my own picks, but I'm going to avoid this game. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, but I just liked this one more than Washington plus 12, Falcons plus 9, Saints plus 11. So I was going to take one big, big spread. And out of all the ones I saw, this one was the most obvious to me to take Buffalo in this one. So I'm going to stick with that one. That's very fair. Okay, I guess I can do my big spread then. And that would be the Cardinals minus 12 and a half versus the Lions. So I have a few kind of thoughts about this one. First of all, the Cardinals lost last week to the Rams. This is the perfect game for them coming off a loss. I think that Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray are going to want to run up the score to prove a point that the Rams game was not indicative of larger team problems and instead was just a one-game aberration. So I think they're going to win by a lot. I think that it is hard to it's hard for the Lions to get up for this one. They've already won their one game. I think that once they won the one game, that sense of urgency kind of vanished a little bit, right? Where it became, we've already won our game. We don't need to get up and try and win this one in the same kind of way that we did when we were in danger of going 0-16-1. So I think the Cardinals are a very good team. I think the Lions are a very bad team. And the Cardinals are going to be far more motivated than the Lions are in this matchup. So I'm going to go Cardinals minus 12.5. Can I disagree with you? Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not going to take the Lions because I, I would never do that. But the one reason this scares me a little bit is obviously it's in Detroit. So plus 12, minus 12.5 away is always a tough one. That shouldn't matter too much, right? But also DeAndre Hopkins is out. James Conner's questionable might not play. Obviously, I think the Cardinals are going to win. But it just seems like a lot of points away with your number one receiver, number one running back out. So I I think probably the Cardinals cover this, but I just don't love it. So I think you can respect that opinion. Absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, I'm going to take the Cardinals, but I, I agree with what you're saying. It's I think those are good points. Yeah. Uh. All right. Uh, next game, I'm going to take Seahawks Rams. Seahawks plus four. I'm going to take the Rams in this one. I'm confident in this one. I think the Rams will win this game by more than four points. It's in Los Angeles. They're at home. They're the better team. Tyler Lockett's out. Seahawks are a good team when they play well, but I just think the Rams are a better team now, so I think this shouldn't be too difficult at home. I think they'll win this one by 10 or so. I just think the Rams, obviously, they had a few bad games there, but then they came off and they had a great game against the Jaguars, and they beat the Cardinals, who many thought were the best team in the NFL, and now the Seahawks shouldn't be much of a problem either for them. So I'm going to take the Rams minus four at home. This is a pick that I like a lot. I'm not going to take it because I don't want to, you know, cramp your style. But I do like this pick a lot, and I agree with everything you said. 
So my next pick is going to be the Bengals versus the Broncos. So the Bengals are plus two and a half or plus 135 money line. I'm leaning towards plus 135 money line because plus two and a half can only really do it for me. So I, I'm, I'm going to take Bengals plus stop? 135. Just do the, do the damn normal picks and stop with the money line. Come on. Why? It makes me more money if it hits. But then you're more likely to hit, and it's unfair to me. Well, I'll, fine, I'll take the... What do you mean more likely to hit? You're obviously more likely to win the bet if you take the money line than the plus 2.5. No, because the Bengals are the underdog. Wait, the Bengals are the underdog in this game? Yeah. I apologize to all my viewers here. That's why I it's agree plus 135, not minus fine. 135. I apologize for that. So okay, we are sorry. both taking... Just to clarify, we're both taking this game. I'm also taking the Bengals in this game. I'm going to take Bengals plus 2.5, and I really hope the Bengals lose by two points so I win the bet and he loses the money line. Okay. So that's that's my Bengals pick. I think they're due. They've lost two in a row. I think the Broncos are bad. I don't know why they're favored. Yeah, that's kind of my point. I'd like to say I'm only going to make this pick if Joe Burrow's playing. If I look on Sunday and Joe Burrow is not playing, then I'm going to remove this pick because he is a little questionable with his fingers. If he does play, I'll keep keep this this pick in here. So this is contingent on him playing. Would you say the same? Yeah, I, I agree with that. All right, so this one contingent on him playing, but this is our uh, – if Joe Burrow plays, this is Chris and I's lock of the week, correct? Uh, no, it is not my lock of the week. It's not our lock of the week? It can be your lock of the week. Okay, every, out of all four, we have to choose one lock of the week, correct? Yeah, sure. All right, so this will not be my lock of the week either then. All right, go. What's your uh, fourth one? My next one is Patriots plus 120 versus the Colts. Same situation. Patriots are plus two and a half. I don't need those points, and Patriots are going to win outright. So Patriots plus 120. I can see why they're an underdog, right? They're away. The Colts, if they get up on you early, they can just run the ball. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor is a very talented running back. But ultimately, this comes down to, in my mind, Bill Belichick versus Carson Wentz. And I think Carson Wentz is not a good quarterback. I see the Patriots winning this one by maybe seven points, taking a commanding lead in the division, going into a big game against Buffalo next week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to make a big shocking move here. I'm going to remove my, my Bengals pick. Chris, you hear me? Okay, yeah, I hear you. I'm going to remove my Bengals pick, and I'm going to take the Colts minus 2.5 at home. Okay, interesting choice. I think the Patriots are frauds. I think they're a good team, but I don't think they're that good. I think their record is deceiving. They've won a lot of games, yes, but I don't actually think they're that good. I think they're a better home team. I disagree with what you said. They've won every single road game. Okay, but who have they played in the road? Uh, I will tell you in a second, but they... Okay. Here, you keep talking, and I'll get that to you. I'm, I feel like I'm always doing this pick just in spite of you, just to annoy you. But I think the Colts are a, actually a good team. Wait, the Colts are favored, though, right? It's almost, it's almost like the I Colts can't take this. Colts are minus two and a half. It's almost like I can't take this pick just because the Colts are a favor. I do think the Colts will win this game. Can I take the Colts' money line instead? Uh, Sure, it's minus odds, though. Is that bad? I also make money, right? Yeah, you have to bet more, though. So we should keep track of how much you're betting and how much you're going to win. You know what? Never mind. I'm going to, after listening to Chris's little speech, I'm going to remove that. All right, we're back to... That uh, was dumb. That was dumb of you. Yeah, I just wanted to do that to annoy... I do think the Colts will win that game, though. I'm not going to make a bet on it, but I think the Colts will win that game. So keep that in mind. All four of the Patriots' losses are at home. 
and they are, I think, 7-0, 8-0 on the road. Okay, well, I was totally wrong about that. I'm sorry. All right, my pick, I'm going to keep the Bengals. I'm still taking the Bengals. I'm sorry. I just do think the Colts are going to win that game. I'm not going to bet on it just because the Colts are favored. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, Sammy, what's your next pick? I don't know why I just went on a little roller coaster there, but... All right, uh, my last pick is going to be a controversial one here. I'm going to take the Raiders minus 3.5 at the Browns. Now, when I first saw this, I was like, obviously, I'm going to take the Browns at home, underdogs. But after doing some research on the COVID situation, the Browns are playing with a third-string quarterback. Half their team has COVID. They're going to stink. Everyone's complaining that the Browns shouldn't have to play this game. But the NFL is probably going to make them play this game anyways. So I just think the Browns are going to be horrible in this game. I don't think they're that good to start with. Take away their starting two quarterbacks, their backups playing, their starters are out. I think they're just going to be a terrible team on the, uh, basically on like the Jaguars-Texans level in this game. Uh, I know, Chris, you probably don't love this pick, but I just think the Raiders are fully healthy. Derek Carr is playing, and I think the Raiders will win this game by more than 3.5 since the Browns are just basically a practice squad team right now. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't love this pick just because I I it's just so much uncertainty around the Browns and who's actually playing. I do think that if Nick Mullins is in there and they just hand the ball off 40 times to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, that could be a recipe for success. But I'm, I'm going to avoid this game. I, I have no interest in uh, placing any money on it. I mean, if the Raiders have half a brain, you'd think they'd just play the run the whole time and win the game, right? The defense would probably stack the box, play the run only, and just make the quarterback throw, and he's probably going to throw a bunch of picks to be a defensive party for the Raiders. So I think they win this game pretty easily away. So I'm going to take them as my last pick. Okay. So my final pick is the Green Bay Packers minus 6.5. This game is in Baltimore, so against the Ravens. In my mind, this is just two teams on different trajectories right now, right? The Packers, I think, are the best team in the NFC. Them or the Bucks. I think Aaron Rodgers is perhaps playing the best out of any quarterback in the league right now. And I think it's a very talented team. On the other hand, the Ravens just keep losing important starters. So many injuries, it's hard to even count them. Listen to this, Sammy. The entire starting secondary from week one on the Ravens is injured. Like, not one of them is going to play in this game. The entire starting secondary. So that, I think, tells you how decimated they've actually been. This week on defense, um, Chuck Clark, who is kind of the captain on defense, he wears the dots. He has the, the plays going into his ears. He's out with covid it's a very young secondary aside from him because there's so many injuries. So a lot of very young players. I think it's going to be a mess. I think they're going to blow all their defensive coverages. And I think Aaron Rodgers is going to pick them apart. The Ravens struggle generating pressure unless they blitz. And when they blitz, you're putting a bunch of rookie cornerbacks up against Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb and Aaron Rodgers, who's going to pick them apart. So I think that the Packers win this game by two touchdowns. I haven't even mentioned that Tyler Huntley probably is going to start this one because Lamar is injured. So it's his second NFL start against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I don't see this one being close. 
Yeah, if I were to take a team in this, I'd obviously take the Packers in this. I just don't love minus 6.5 in Baltimore. I think Baltimore's a tough place to play in, big crowd. I just don't love minus 6.5 at Baltimore with any team. I do think he'll probably win this bet. But what's his name? Tyler Huntley? Yeah, Tyler Huntley. He actually played pretty well last game when Lamar got injured, so we have to give him some credit. If he plays well, with, there's like I think he completed 27 to 38 passes for like 300 yards and a couple touchdowns last time, so he played well. So if he plays well, maybe the secondary is young, but maybe they're motivated and want to win and prove themselves. So maybe they keep it close. I would take the Packers in this one, but I just don't love minus 6.5 away at Baltimore. But I can't really disagree with you on this one, but I'm just not going to put any money on okay, this one. fair. So to go over the All picks. Right, recap it. I have taken the Patriots plus 120, the Bengals plus 135, contingent on Joe Burrow playing, the Packers minus 6.5, and, and the Cardinals minus 12.5. All right, mine, I'm going to keep it simple and do all lines and not be a pain in the ass like Chris. Uh, I'm going to take Buffalo at home, minus 11 against the Panthers. Rams at home, minus 4 against the Seahawks. Bengals, plus 2.5 at the Broncos. And Raiders, minus 3.5 at the Browns. So I'm taking the Bills, Rams, Bengals, Raiders. Write that down, Chris. You got it? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right, we'll see. So far, I'm winning as of last week. Let's see if we'll... This is a tough week for these picks. There were some weird lines and some weird stuff going on with COVID. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Chris, remind me, tomorrow we'll put the... We'll, we can make our picks and put money into it to make it actually I absolutely something. will. Okay, Sammy, any final words for the podcast? Uh, I am... I have to get ready now. In an hour and a half, I'm leaving for my flight to New York. I will be coming to christopher to do the podcast with him that is the only reason i'm going to new york actually just to do the podcast with him uh actually that's the fact uh so i'm leaving soon excited to film the next one together and i don't know excited for a week in new york and hopefully we can record two episodes while i'm there yeah absolutely okay everyone hope you all have a good day and we'll see you on monday or tuesday depending or wednesday depends how we're feeling yeah exactly all right have a good day